If your spider plant is looking peaky and that Venus flytrap you bought just kicked the bucket, you need On The Ledge, the podcast about indoor gardening where you learn everything you need to know to keep your house plants looking lush. I'm Jane Perone. Join me and a host of wonderful guests to chat all things houseplants at On The Ledge Podcast. and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast, your weekly look into the world of miles, points, and travel. My name is Sean Coomer, and I'm joined today by my co-host Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and MTM Managing Editor Mark Osterman. Each week, the three of us chat for about 45 minutes about the miles and points related topics that you care about. As a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and many other ways. You can find all of the relevant links to subscribe along with more information about the three of us at mtmpodcast.com. And finally, if you have been enjoying the show, consider telling a friend, letting them know that we're here each and every week talking miles and points, and consider giving us a review. Great reviews help us reach more listeners, and we'd love to hear from you as well. Now, on to the show. Top of the evening to you, gentlemen. So how was your week? Pretty good. I'm just chilling here, getting ready for Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. Um, looking forward to this Halloween episode. I think it's going to rain here on Halloween, or it is raining here. Who knows? We will record this early, obviously, and uh, my kids will be very bummed because they won't get to get as much candy. Do you guys uh, do trick or treating? Oh yeah, probably my wife's favorite holiday, if it, if you can call it a holiday or whatnot. But she's big into it. She likes to dress up and everything, so the kids kids love it. I just kind of walk behind them with a flashlight and make sure they don't get hit by a car. I'm not huge into it, but. We go all out for it when the kids are out there. When do kids get too old for trick-or-treating? Sean, when did uh, when did your son stop? I think like middle school age, like 11 years old, something like that. I think they still sort of do it. I think that's the age I, I stopped doing it too, around 11. I think some kids go to like 13, 14, depending on the kid and how bad they want candy, I guess. That's true. I think as they get a little older too, then it sort of becomes cool as teenagers to sort of all go together. They don't go with their parents, but they go in groups. and Yeah. And do that I well. definitely went at least once in high school, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I got dragged out when I was in high school. Like some friends came over, I think it was like freshman year or something. And I, I was like, I don't have a costume, I'm not going out. I don't, I don't really like Halloween. They're like, come on, let's go. There was like eight of them. So we all ended up just going out and I walked behind them. Well, my house is actually going to be kind of cool because I, uh, I wrote about this on the site, but... Lowe's does a lot of their Halloween clearance before Halloween. So I was able to like score 85% off a lot of stuff. So we're going to be decorating and making like a little haunted house. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Anytime I can score 85% and uh, have a little fun at the same time. Interesting tidbit about our house. We've lived here, oh man, like 12 years and we have never had one (laughs) (laughs) trick-or-treater. Oh God, I could go so many ways with that. (laughs) No, it's because we're we're on we're on like a busy road and we don't have sidewalks on our side of the street. The sidewalks are on the other side of the street. I don't know why. Just like there's like this one quarter mile slab of area that has no sidewalk and it's like where our house is. So nobody ever walks by. We even had kids that live next door to us and they never came over. So we've never given out one piece of candy in twelve years. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but saved us some money, I guess. Yeah, our old neighborhood was Halloween Central, and this new one is still pretty good, but not as last year wasn't as lively as we had hoped. But we're gonna we're sort of at the end of a cul-de-sac, so we'll set up all these lights and inflatables, all the stuff that I got for eighty-five percent off, and it's gonna be fun, like uh, like our own little version of Disneyland. 
So moving on from Halloween, like there's been a couple of uh, crazy developments this week uh, that we should talk about, or just sort of frenzies, I guess, in the miles and point space. The first one is something that Mark and I have been talking about for weeks. That was SoFi. We mentioned it on the podcast, I think, three weeks ago. But uh, it seems like everybody finally caught on. And uh, Joe, did you finally get your SoFi account? Yeah, I did uh, last week, actually. So a little bit before the huge crescendo. But um, yeah, it is kind of funny how things hit a tipping point and everyone started talking about it all at once. And for those that don't know, it's just it's a it's a money account that has a really easy bonus. Um, it's actually has some interesting features to use long term. Mark can talk about that. He's done a full review of it. But basically, signing up using somebody's referral link, you're getting a fifty dollar bonus. And then if you refer your own friends or somebody else, you can get a hundred dollars for refer, referring them. So I know that's been pretty good. And so I think a lot of people have been covering it. Uh, Mark, you've done some tests like. I know the Schwab account is like is really popular in the miles and points space for free international ATMs. You did some tests like side by side in Canada, right? Just to see yeah. how that worked and made sure it worked the same. Yeah, I went over to Windsor because there was a everybody was thinking that there was a one percent fee that only SoFi had that the Schwab account didn't have. That so you know you'd get the free ATM withdrawal, but you'd still get charged that one percent foreign currency fee or whatnot. We had thought maybe they eat it or it was just a fee Visa mixed in that that Schwab had as well. So I went over there and tested out. I did a couple of withdrawals from two different ATMs and uh, side by side, and both of them came out exactly the same denomination. So what I withdrew with SoFi, I drew, like I pulled out twenty bucks with one, twenty bucks with the other, and they both settled for the same amount. So it's just as good as uh, the Schwab in that aspect, except for the ATM fees refund immediately, which uh, the Schwab doesn't do until the end of the month, and you get one point eight percent APY, which is pretty amazing for a, a basically a checking account and there's no hard pull. So it's, it's the better of the two. I would say the only reason to get the Schwab is if you want to get the uh, Schwab platinum card. Yeah, it's a big thing. And it took, we were early adopters. Everybody else was slow to the game. Wait. So I thought I heard someone saying that SoFi was not like FDIC insured or it was like confusing. Would that be an advantage of Schwab or do you think SoFi still comes out on top? Yeah, they, what they do is they have uh, banks that they work with and they pull the money that you deposit. So within a day or two, it's in an FDIC insured bank. And since they use several banks, you actually get like $1.5 million in coverage. So that's kind of unique. I mean, there's a little bit of worry because there's a couple of days in between where they have the money and, and when it hits the bank. I don't know a ton about that whole aspect of it, but it they say it is covered within a day or two and you have more coverage because it's not just one singular bank. So I th- I think it's safe. Um, they're a pretty big company, so I don't think they're going to fold anytime soon. It's something to consider, but I'm not worried about it personally. And then the other thing that I've been thinking about, because um, I've actually been thinking about opening a Schwab account unrelated to all this SoFi business, is if you are parking like a significant amount of money, does SoFi do investments? Or you know, if I'm putting money into Schwab, like I'm going to consider investing it, not just like having it sit there. They're not like a brokerage as well, are they? Yeah, actually they are. And they have a uh, bonus for that too, which actually might end by the time this airs. I think it ends the 31st. So, well, I guess it will be the day it airs. If you use somebody's referral, they give you $50 in stock for signing up. And all you have to do is deposit $100. And that $100 can actually come from your SoFi money account. And you don't even need to invest it. You just have to move it into your investment account. And they give you $50 in free stock. So that's pretty cool. I've been playing around with it a little bit. I haven't done it much. But as far as I can tell, they don't charge any fees for buying any stocks, which I think everybody's kind of 
turned into over the last couple of weeks. So they do have the investment aspect. I don't know if it's as robust as uh, Schwab, but it is there. And I've heard from people that they like the app and everything that SoFi has better than Schwab. So something else to consider. Interesting. Glad I asked. Yeah, I, I actually uh, tested my account the other day. And like you said, I think the same day, the fact that they refund your ATM fee same day is pretty cool. I tested it at a Chase ATM and same day the fee was credited back. No, no other fees from them. So I think it's a really compelling, especially as like a second sort of travel account, which is sort of what I use my Schwab checking account for now. And I think it's pretty compelling. I'm excited. We've been, like I said, Mark and I have been using the product for a few weeks now. You know, we were sort of the first one in the miles and point space to talk about it. And it took a little while for everybody else to catch on, but we we like it and we'll continue to talk about it as we use the account. Anything else to add about it? I just know that it's, it's on a lot of people's mind because they've been hearing about it a lot of different places. So I want to make sure that we sort of give them any of the relevant information. Um, we do have a referral for the show. If you're interested in supporting the show, we're going to have links for both the invest and the money, $50 bonuses in the show notes. Mark, anything else to add about the account or your experience using it? Not really. I mean, it's just, it's pretty easy to use uh, the bonus posts like within a day or two. Sometimes if you do it early enough in the day, you'll see the bonus hit your account that evening, which is pretty cool and unheard of any in any other bank bonus. So I like that aspect of it. And then the referral, if you have friends, you know, holiday season's coming up, even if you just refer your uh, spouse, there's $200 between the two signup bonuses and the one referral. So it's worth it to get and then try to get your, your you know, parents, your friends, your relatives, your kids, wh- whoever, give them the sign up. It's easy money. It pays out within four or five days. It'll hit your account that night, but you'll actually, it'll be released within like four to five business days. Yep. And we have the full review of the account. And then also you wrote something today uh, or this week about how to maximize your referrals to make money so people can look at that. And like I said, we've been talking about this. If you do want to support the the show, use the links in the show notes that will uh, directly uh, support us. And yeah, we're really liking SoFi so far. Now, the other sort of frenzy that happened, this happened, we're recording this on Tuesday, this happened yesterday, and that was American Airlines dumped a bunch of award space to Hawaii for 5,000 points or miles each way. And the really big one was to uh, Australia, to Sydney, and uh, to Auckland, New Zealand for 6,000 advantage miles one way or 10,000 miles round trip. Did either of you guys uh, book any uh, excursions with those sales that just happened? Nope. No, uh, I'm kind of (laughs) tethered. I wasn't able to do it. I thought about it. I pulled up the flights, but I did not pull the trigger. I actually booked four round trip tickets to Hawaii for 10,000 miles each. So 40,000 miles for my entire family to fly to Hawaii round trip. But uh, it conflicts with the opening of, I didn't put two and two together with the dates. And the only dates I could get conflicts with the opening of Rise of the Resistance in uh, Disney World, where I'm going to be already be in Walt Disney World. So I'm going to have to cancel that. But I did also book for dates that we can do a one way for 6,000 miles, Los Angeles to Auckland. And then another one way uh, a little while later, 6,000 miles, Sydney to Los Angeles, about 12 days in between. So we'll have about 12 days to do both New Zealand and Australia. And we were kind of already going to do that. So 12,000 miles round trip per person. And thanks to uh, my World of Hyatt Globalist status, I had been matched to Platinum with Advantage. So I'm able to be in main cabin extra. So we have extra legroom, which hopefully will make a 13-hour flight a little bit better. Just a little bit. <laughs> Certainly one of the better deals I've seen at 12,000 miles round trip to Australia. It's pretty insane. Even cash prices on the, on a coach ticket like that are generally around $1,000. So to, to get it for 12,000 advantage miles was pretty exciting. I think if I was on the West Coast, I would have seriously considered doing it. But just 
positioning to LA and with the age of my kids, it just uh, didn't feel worth it. But, you know, that's pretty awesome. You know, I really do want to get to New Zealand sometime. And so excited to see all these people get out on these trips uh, for so little. I mean, for the 40,000 A miles that you have on book to Hawaii, which, uh, you know, even if you're canceling, you know, that's, that's only a little more than one way to Asia normally. So that's a pretty great deal. Yeah, it was sort of crazy to put it in perspective. Like a one-way business class award to Australia on advantage is 80,000 miles, I think. And I was able to book four round trips to Hawaii and three round trips to Australia, New Zealand for 76,000 miles, seven tickets for the cost of like a one-way business class. So yeah, I mean, that, that deal was amazing. I hope that American continues. We've seen Delta be really aggressive with their flash sales. Maybe this is a new era of American discounting their awards, but uh, that certainly was an amazing deal. And that one, I, I don't think it was a mistake or anything. I think that they just had some new routes and they just dumped the inventory and it was pretty exciting for those people who were able to get it. Yeah, I was going to ask what you guys think. When it was only to Auckland, it felt like they were pushing that new route. But then when all the Hawaii routes came out, I wasn't quite sure what to think. Do you think they're just like getting rid of distressed inventory and trying to like drum up excitement? It would be awesome if AA went the kind of Delta flash sales type of route, or is this their way of kind of suckering us into thinking that dynamic pricing is okay and we can accept it? I think they uh, the sales actually came out at the same time. They just weren't reported about the same time or they weren't found at the same time. Like one was found, then the other was found or or whatever. But I think they all came out. They were dumped at basically the same time. I don't really know. With AA, it's hard to tell. I can't think of them doing anything that is beneficial to us. I'm so sour on them, but... I would think it's maybe to drum up like because the Delta flash sales, when those first started, that drum drum up a lot of coverage, a lot of excitement. It's kind of simmered down because it hasn't been as solid as it was back then. But it could be just kicking off new routes and trying to get excitement or the dynamic pricing trying to say, hey, look, you know, it's not going to be all bad, but I'm not sure. I don't know really what to think about it, but I I do hope it keeps up. Yeah, I mean, I think for people on the West Coast, you know, I always say with the Delta, they're not even flash sales, like economy space to Europe is often pretty cheap. You know, I've seen no like, quote unquote, sale, like I've seen it as cheap as like 36,000 sky miles round trip. So, you know, I think for people on the West Coast, if AA is doing that kind of stuff for Hawaii, you know, that's just great. A six hour flight to Hawaiian economy, like I'll take that for 10,000 round trip uh, any day of the week. Yeah, one of the best plays used to be or and it's still a great play using British Airways Avios from the West Coast uh, for what, 13,000 Avios each way on American. So that's, I mean, that's an amazing deal thinking that. And then, yeah, we've seen award space awards to Hawaii as Southwest entered the market. We've seen the prices sort of go down. Uh, we covered on the site today, $300 uh, round trip on Hawaiian Airlines from the West Coast, 400 from Vegas to Maui, which is the Las Vegas route is always really, really busy. So it seems like there's a lot more, they're all competing with each other. And yeah, it seems like there's a, there's better deals to be had to Hawaii. And the Australia, New Zealand thing is sort of interesting because like I said, generally the cash prices are higher. And even on the dates, like the, the tickets that we got, uh, the date, you know, they were about a thousand dollars round trip for those dates. So that was a great deal. I don't know if it was just to highlight, highlight the Auckland route to compete with Air New Zealand or, you know, like you said, they're struggling in general uh, in that area, you know, and they felt like they needed to boost Sydney as well. Who knows? But like, certainly if you see a deal like that, the great thing, American Airlines, despite saying they were going to get rid of this years ago, they still allow online holds. So I was able to hold my itineraries and they were good through, I think, November 3rd. So I still even had a couple more extra days to book. That gives you a great time to sort of lock it in and then figure out if you can make it all work. Like with my Hawaii example, where I'm going to have to cancel that one. And uh, well, I know you guys feeling uh, feeling FOMO about that, but uh, let's get back to no FOMO, no FOMO, <laughs> no FOMO. I know. Yeah. 
I normally feel quite a bit of FOMO, but I got zero FOMO for this one. Yeah, I would. This is just a solid deal for for me. It was something I was going to do anyway. I don't think it was. If you missed out on this one, it's a great, great deal. But you know, you're still sitting in coach for 13 hours each way. So yeah, and then if you live on the East Coast, there's another six hours thrown on yeah. top of that. So thing about Las Vegas is it's basically an extension of Los Angeles when it comes to flights. Just a cheap one way rental, and we drive down there and get on a plane. All right. So from talking about that. And you talked a little bit about everything going revenue-based and stuff like that. We thought maybe with the Halloween theme, we would talk about the spooky fears in this hobby. Like what scares us the most? Like what would be the scariest thing that could happen in our miles and points game? And uh, Joe, do you want to start out? What What are you most scared of in miles and points that gives you nightmares on this Halloween? Sure. Uh, and obviously we're being tongue in cheek. You know, we realize these are first world problems. But the thing that kind of scares me the most that could happen in the miles and points game is the reduction or the regulation of credit card swipe fees. And again, I think scary is tongue in cheek because I feel like the reduction of credit card swipe fees might be better for people, uh, general people overall. But for miles and points people, I think it would be bad because uh, for those you don't know, when I say credit card swipe fees, or I think the technical term is interchange fees. You know, every time you swipe your credit card, the credit card company makes like 3% on your transaction or some percentage of your transaction. Now, these fees are very low in Europe, but in the United States, they're higher. And because of those fees, the credit card companies make more money. And that's why we get these sign up bonuses. That's why we get all these incentives. Whereas, you know, if you're to live in Europe or other countries, um, there are not that many incentives, there are not that many bonuses to be had. So, you know, I know there's been talk in the past of uh, maybe reducing them here in the United States. And I think that is, you know, one of the few things that could really possibly actually kill this game. What do you guys think about um, those swipe fees? Yeah, when you look at swipe fees, they really are interchange fees. They really don't make a whole lot of sense in the modern age uh, with technology that they're charging that significant percent, two or 3%. It really depends on the merchant and the, and the network, but it's something that from a consumer's perspective probably isn't the most friendly thing, but in the United States, they're allowed to keep doing it. And in other countries we've seen, we actually see laws that restrict them and then reward schemes just are not nearly uh, as generous as we see here. So yeah, if we lose those interchange fees, uh, I think this game, as we know it, certainly will be different. There will still be rewards programs and miles and points, but it won't be nearly as lucrative. And we won't see these really generous bonus categories either. Also, I don't think this will happen here, but you know, I know that in Hong Kong, like everyone uses their octopus card, which technically works like a debit card. It's like a NFC near field communication type thing, or I'm not sure exactly what the tech is. But you know, with Apple Pay and Google Pay and Samsung Pay, all those online pays. Right now, they're connected to credit cards. So there are like those interchain fees involved. But I feel like if we ever move to a society where everyone's just tapping things, like the Disney World Magic Band type of uh, transaction, then that could really cut into the credit card company's bottom line, which is, of course, eventually going to cut down the amount of rewards that we can earn. Yeah. And we see other technologies too, like in China with uh, WePay and Alipay, where they're using essentially barcode systems, I believe. But it's the same sort of thing. It's they're really cutting out these payment processors and really going more direct to consumer. And there's not a lot of overhead in that. So yeah, these fees probably how their days are numbered. And it's certainly a scary proposition to see what it would happen. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I'm. I, mean, I don't think it would kill miles and points, but it would definitely uh, hinder the bonus categories like business, uh, the ink cash at uh, office supply stores because they get a higher 
exchange fee or interchange fee at business locations with business cards to get a higher fee rate than they do with like a Quicksilver or anything on the lower end. And we've seen that partly with uh, the Kroger, I forget what the smaller store spinoff that stopped taking Visa cards, which still doesn't make sense to me because Smith's. Smith's. Thank you. My, my, my version of Kroger. Yeah. So Smith's, which I don't understand because, because most Visa cards do not have a bonus in grocery. So if anything, they should have done American Express, but that's what I could see happening as the fees drop is the bonus categories drop. I think there'll still be a flat rate earn and it might drop down to like one and a half percent or 2% tops, but I don't think it will ever completely go away. It will just kill our MS ability, I guess you could say. I was only talking about sign-up bonuses, but I suppose there could still be some mild sign-up bonuses. But yeah, if they're not making as much money on each transaction, they're going to give us less money on our transactions, which, yeah, I didn't even think about the MS aspect, which, of course, I should have. So I'm not really worried about the sign-up bonuses because that's to get in the uh, the bad people that the uh, rack up the bills and then don't pay. I mean, they make most of their money from the interest or over fees and stuff, late fees, interest charges. So I think the bonuses will still stay there for long into the future unless they the government comes out and says we're going to cap these uh these rates that you can charge people because that's where they make their money and the bonuses attract those people that really probably shouldn't have a credit card so i think the uh, the fee the swipe fees will hurt more of the the earning structure than they will the bonuses and uh, let's all hope that this doesn't happen anytime soon or at least uh, i don't think it will in the very very short term uh, but uh, i don't know so, Mark, what what scares you? What miles and points occurrence do you feel is the spookiest? Just, I mean, it's already kind of going that way, but just more bank rules that safeguard sign-up bonuses, like Chase 524, like where, where more banks roll out that type of stuff. Cities kind of change their stuff. Bank of America used to be really easy, and now it's one of the more difficult ones. American Express is still pretty easy, so if they ever came out with anything, that would be really, you know, heartbreaking for for most of us. So, I think just the tightening of that. Um, but I'm I'm kind of hopeful, even though this sounds terrible, that when the recession that ultimately is going to come, that they loosen those reins a bit because they're going to need to to boost that customer base or you know say, hey, look, we're getting our we're hitting our numbers for new customers. I don't know. I think it's an ebb and flow. So maybe in the future it will loosen up some because. It won't be as strong. Their profit uh, margins won't be as strong as they are now. But all we can do is wait and see. But that would be the biggest thing that I'm I'm nervous about. How about you, Sean? For me, it's just one thing. I I just I don't I'm not shy about my my love of uh, World of Hyatt and the, the loyalty <laughs> program. So like the one nightmare would be wait. It's a very narrow focus out. right here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys you guys did all the big the big picture thinking for me. So I'm just going to be very selfish and say. That if I wake up and find out that World of Hyatt is not a transfer partner of Chase Ultimate Rewards any longer, I would be pretty darn heartbroken. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that as much as like them cutting it to like one point for, you know, or like two points to one point, you know, cutting the rate more, more so than leaving them all together. Yeah, that I mean, and also another nightmare would be World of Hyatt just not be, you know, not staying as good as it is, which I'm sure over time things will devalue, but uh I think that's the number one, and and in all seriousness, this year it's been the number one redemption for me, value wise, is you know, uh, experience wise, getting the value out of that status and being able to stay in some really nice hotels, and I would be really sad if that went away. So until the uh, ten thousand round trip to uh, 
Auckland. See, but that's the good thing is you take a deal like that where you're spending almost nothing on airfare and then you can maybe splurge a little bit more on other stuff. So when you can get a, a huge ticket like that and pay almost nothing for it in miles, like 12,000 miles, then all of a sudden you can do other things. And so I've been spending more points on hotels, on nicer places, things that I'm enjoying. Yeah, I'd be sad if Hyatt went away. I would adapt, but I'd be sad. All right. And so we've talked enough about what we're fearful of and some good deals. Now, I think is a good time to talk a little bit about what we're saving for, like what sort of trips. I know that a lot of people in this hobby are either like people like me who love to travel last minute and love how miles and points give us that flexibility. But I think, yeah, most people are not like that. And I think you two do a lot of planning. So, uh, you know, what sort of trips are you saving for? Uh, in the next year, two years? And then like, what sort of strategies are you entailing to like get extra points? Which cards are you getting? What sort of, you know, what sort of things are you doing? I actually am pretty much booked out uh, most of my vacations until uh, June or July of next year. So I got like my Europe trip booked. I have uh, Hawaii for our 15 year anniversary booked. So I'm just kind of hoarding points of the, the currencies I use the most, which is membership rewards and ultimate rewards and doing that however I can. I just grabbed a Delta sign up uh, bonus because it's at the their all time highs and you can lock in that lower fee versus in January, the fees are going up. So and I always can use Delta points so or Delta miles. So I, I grabbed that. The one I am working on that I'm hoping that you're on board with, Sean, is uh, Christmas Markets 2020. Yes. So I want to. Yeah, so I want to go to uh, Frankfurt, and I need to uh, get some life miles for that because they have a direct flight out of Detroit to Frankfurt. You trying to go in first? Yeah, well, it, it, I don't know if I can because I mean, first you have to wait till the last minute to book it. So I think I'm just yeah, gonna true. Take, I'm just going to do business whenever it comes up. So I got to build up that. I had a, a stack of life miles, but I used them for our Hawaii trip, and I had just signed up for the sixty thousand sixty thousand point bonus uh, on that card. So. I still have like 30,000 left over. So either I need to beef up my membership rewards and hope for a transfer bonus, which is you comes around a couple times a year and do it that way, or maybe get my wife the, uh, the life miles card to, to kind of balance it out. So I'm not sure how I'm going to play that, but that's basically the trip I'm planning for right now. And how about you, Joe? Yeah. So I'm kind of in the same situation as you, Mark, in the sense that I've got like my big things booked. Like I have Asia booked for next summer, um, there and back. I have not booked hotels yet. So in that sense, I'm building up Hyatt or Ultimate Rewards points. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty happy with the travel that we have, you know, booking for five, especially going in um, business class is a lot of miles. So that put a huge dent in my balances. What I normally do is if I don't have a plan, I just kind of evenly earn membership rewards and ultimate rewards because um, I figure for most of the type of travel we do, whether it be to Europe or to Asia, those are both very useful currencies. So right now I'm just kind of padding both of those balances. So of course, this is the week that there is no office supply gift card stuff going on. But you know I always hit those with my ink to build up ultimate rewards at 5x. How do you drain those, uh, the gift cards you get for 5x at the Office uh, Depot? I normally only go crazy with buying when it's like MasterCards because I can use it on plastic to pay my mortgage, um, pay other bills that I have. You know, I don't do I don't do like huge volumes. Um, you know, I just I'm only maxing out twenty five thousand a year, so you know I'm not like going crazy or anything. If it's Visa gift cards, I usually don't buy as many because they're harder for me to liquidate. Um, sometimes I'll load them to my Amazon account. Sometimes I'll use it to pay for after school through plastic, um, which does work. Um, but 
you know, sometimes I prepay my electric bill, but you know, I don't just don't have as many bills realistically to uh, do that. Why? How do you get rid of yours? Uh, mostly money orders is the the main way I do it. I was curious if you do that, but yeah, that is a nice. I would, uh, but like Walmart is like far away, and the Walmart that is far away is also like I ran to so many brick walls at that Walmart like back in the day that I just kind of gave it up. Anyway, going back, so I find that building membership rewards and ultimate rewards is kind of the safest bet for me. Uh, I will dabble a little bit in thank you points as well, but I just I don't know if it's like a kind of I just don't use them as much thing, so I'm not as used to them, but I just haven't found them to be as useful uh, might be a blind spot who knows but since membership rewards and ultimate rewards really cover for me like that's kind of what i've been doing so the amex gold and the ink plus which of course unfortunately you can no longer get are the main cards that i'm hitting um, when i'm not hitting minimum spends although i am like just normally just hitting minimum spends all the time as well yeah i've uh, i've been lucky this year i think a lot of my upcoming travel has been dictated by various deals which i guess you could call me a deal chaser but you know, we're doing uh, Japan next summer uh, in business class on like a $1,200 round trip fare, which I used ultimate rewards. So it's like 80,000 ultimate rewards round trip and we'll earn, uh, it's on uh, Japan Airlines. So we'll earn Alaska miles back. We're doing, we did the Delta vacations deal. So we have Disney World trips and we're doing Alani in Hawaii. And of course I have that Australia, New Zealand trip with American Airlines I, I booked. So my my long-term goal right now that I've actually started shifting is for like to do a Disney cruise and use CNB points for that. So I'm starting to to sort of ramp up my spending uh, to do that. And other than that, honestly, like you said, uh, I have a trip to Europe that we're going to do sometime next year, but airfares have been so cheap. It's really hard to to justify spending so much mileage when uh, we just, I've been eyeballing, we just have a, a budget airline level, uh, Iberia's budget airlines now flying Las Vegas to Paris direct. So for like less than $200 each way, I don't know, connecting on other airlines to do business class or just get on an airplane, you know, for 200 bucks. And then I'm in Paris uh, in 11 hours. Is, I don't know. It's pretty compelling. So I think that use, I'm using my points and miles more often to book cash things, whether it be saving up CMB points to do a cash rate on a cruise or uh, booking these deals as they come, uh, even if it's like a cash deal, like I did with the Japan Airlines business class, 1200 bucks throw 80,000 points at it and we're going to get a great experience and it's cheaper than if I had just redeemed on an award chart. That is something that I've noticed that I think transferable currencies are becoming more popular to be used towards cash bookings because the prices are so low. So I wonder if, if have you guys started to, to move your, to shift your focus on earning stuff that has a good portal redemption, like, like the ultimate rewards or the membership rewards. If you have the business platinum, because you get better value out of that and you can book what you want to book and direct flights versus connect like four connections using American Airlines miles. So I think that's where the shift has been going is booking stuff through the portal for cash because the deals are so good that you don't really need airline miles anymore. Yeah. And that's one where one place like Thank You Points does better because uh, they have some of the low cost carriers inside their portal. So I've booked, you know, Frontier and Spirit tickets through them because they're just the best option for me. So yeah, I'm always looking at those cash options and, you know, with ultimate rewards, one and a half cents each, I'm pretty happy to get that these days. Uh, that's about what I'm getting, I think, value-wise from Hyatt anyway. So even though others will say that they're worth more. So yeah. Last for me. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly I'm happy to redeem them and to get good value. And like you say, on the more convenient routes and uh, more convenient options, a lot of the times than, you know, connecting three times, but I can redeem these miles, you know, these advantage miles or something like that. 
So yeah, Joe, what do you what do you think about transferable points? How have you been using them? Have you been using them more than you used to to book cash tickets and cash fares, things like that? Yeah, I I think you guys make great points. I've definitely shifted more towards that. I'm still not doing it like regularly, but you know, definitely I've been doing it more like I booked a JetBlue mint flight the other day for uh, next spring using my ultimate rewards. Actually, I don't even remember what I used. I think it was my ultimate rewards. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of times there's just value in doing it that way. And since I'm able to earn uh, a good number that I'm happy with, and since I have my big travel booked for next year, you know, I feel kind of liberated to use that instead of like using cash. So yeah, definitely agree. I think that's enough about that. So yeah, those are our, our vacations that we're saving for. If you guys want to tell us about your uh, trips that you're saving for, email us podcast at milestomemories.com. And we'd love to hear what you guys are saving up for and how you're going about it. And uh, now on to our rapid fire and Mark is going to start Mark. There's Waldorf Astoria brought back a, like a credit program, right? A hundred dollar credit for staying there. Yeah, they have a, uh, it's for select properties. If you stay a two night minimum, you get a hundred dollar credit and it's, uh, there's quite a few properties on there uh, like Casa Marina and Key West, which I've stayed at is on there and they're, they're it's all over the world. So I would d- definitely double check the price that you get through booking it with the $100 resort credit and just booking it direct with without the credit because Hyatt runs this game where they're like, hey, you get the third night free. But when you actually punch it in and you, you go against what it would be just booking three nights without the code, it's really not a total free third night. It's, you know, 75% off that third night or 50% off. So it's still a discount, but it's not quite as good as, as they say it's going to be. So definitely double check that. But if you're going to do a cash price or you find a really good deal at Waldorf, double check to see if you can get this credit at that, that resort. It's a good way, you know, especially with Hilton and their 40 times earning promotions they have going on right now. It might work out that it makes sense to to do a cash rate versus 95,000 points or or whatever they're charging for it. Yeah, and they can uh, find the link to that promotion for the credit on our website. We have a post about it this week. And uh, next up in the rapid fire, I wrote a post this week about a kind of a simple trick on saving on Disney gift cards. There's lots of different ways to save five to 15% on Disney. But I think that one that's sort of overlooked, one that's sort of around low hanging fruit is Raise. Uh, Raise has like $10 off 100 for new customers, but they also offer these $10 off 100 coupons targeted to customers throughout the year. And then oftentimes they'll have like 7% off, 8% off all gift cards. And you can also stack that with a portal. And so like recently I got a $10 off, $100 offer, a gift card offer and was able to, you know, buy a $100 Disney gift card for 90 bucks, get another 6% through the portal. So I saved right about 15%. And just, just a reminder for people that they can sort of buy these cards as they go along, as they find the deals and then sort of combine them later on the Disney website. If you're only saving about 5% on gift cards, there's better ways to go. The raise deal is one of them. Of course, there's others like Amex offers, things like that. I know that I know like Joe, you're you save what what is your average you think you save on Disney gift cards when you're buying them ahead of time? Close to fifteen percent? Yeah, I mean I won't get out of bed for less than ten. So um fifteen is pretty good. You know, I I do I mean I read your post. It still does feel kind of annoying to scale. Like I always am looking for ways to scale a little bit better, but definitely every little bit counts uh, when you're going since it's so expensive. Yeah, it's this isn't the the raise ver, the raise deal probably isn't the most scalable, but they're having deals often enough that if you grab them when when they do, you can pretty much get fifteen percent off pretty uh, regularly. And it takes about a minute to click through a portal to buy the gift card once your raise account's set up. So 
It can just be a deal to be aware of and one you can take advantage of. It doesn't necessarily have to be your main way to get Disney gift cards, especially if you spend a lot on property. Moving on from that, yeah, more information if you want to see all that on the website. And Joe, what do you have for our rapid fire today? Yeah, so just something that you know happened that we didn't cover. Uh, I'm not sure we missed it, but the Amex green card revamp, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the show. So I just want to talk about it a little bit. You know, there's kind of the main offer that's going around is for 30,000 points as a sign-up bonus, although you can get up to 45,000 points. The annual fee is up to $150, and kind of the need-to-know stuff is that you get 3x membership reward points when you're uh, dining out or you're traveling. There's a couple statement credits for like Clear and Lounge Buddy. The Amex Green Card has never been the most exciting card, and it's still not the most exciting card. And I'm not sure it justifies its increase in annual fee. But if you are kind of fiending for membership rewards points and you haven't had the card before and you can't get sign-up bonuses uh, on the main Amex cards, you know, it's kind of an option that's out there. So just wanted to bring it up, make sure people know that it's out there. Although I think I've seen like 500 blog posts about it. So you probably know already. <laughs> I, was really hope, I was really hoping they were going to bring out the four times gas that was rumored over the summer, over the last few months. So that's in every rumor. It was four times membership rewards points at the pump. And that would have been awesome. And I think that would have made the card a winner. But for some reason, they dropped it last minute. Or maybe it was never a part of it when we made it all up. I don't know. Is it the 3X on travel? Is gas counted in that? Because 3X would be okay. I don't I don't believe so. Yeah, so that's... It's just... Wherever that rumor came from, it kind of killed the excitement for this card, I think. Yeah. Maybe people I would have been more excited if that had never been rumored. I've already had the card. And I would have gotten it again just for that. Just for the 4X on gas. Because we... We spent a lot on gas and it would just be easy for my wife to have that card instead of her saying, hey, do you have a gift card for me? You know, if I'm buying Shell, get gift cards at Office Depot and stuff like that. And she gets annoyed with it. So that would have been an easy fix. Plus, all uh, we have a lot of Speedways by us that have a whole lot of gift card deals and stuff. So it would have been really nice to rack up the points that way. Yeah, it was kind of a bust for me. All right. And uh, moving on from that, our last rapid fire is a guide uh, we have on the site about booking around the world tickets. Ian Schneider wrote it. Uh, Mark, want to tell us a little bit about what people can expect and, you know, if they want to read the, the post on the site. Yeah, Ian put together an amazing post, how you can fly around the world in uh, business class and how to do it, which miles are the best for it, uh, which miles will get you, will have it done the cheapest. Uh, some examples he brings up, like you can fly 18,000 miles around the world with how many stops are here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven stops. For 105,000 miles in business using uh, ANA Mileage Club. So that's just one of the uh, options that he throws out there. Another one, 25,000 miles of flying for 145,000 miles uh, out of your account to fly in business class. So lots of good options. He covers them all. He's really good at this stuff. Uh, he loves just searching flight bookings and awards and mileage runs and all that stuff. So he uh, brings a different voice to the blog, which we appreciate, and we'll link it in our show notes and definitely check it out if you haven't read it already. Yeah, so much great information in that post and definitely worth a bookmark and maybe just to read to get a little bit inspired on uh, on something to book later on. And uh, that will do it for us this week. Before we go, uh, Joe, uh, can you want to tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can uh, find me writing at com or podcasting at com. And if you're into Disney, you can check out my Disney podcast, DisneyDeciphered.com. And Mark, where can we find you during the week? I feel like Joe cut that list down a little bit this week, and I appreciate it. You know, usually it's like 17 things, <laughs> but 
uh, either just comment on the website, uh, Miles to Memories, uh, and I'll I pretty much respond to every comment on there if it's on my article. And then uh, email me, Mark at Miles to Memories dot com, or find us on the Facebook group, which there's links on the website page. All right. And you can find me uh, at Biz- Best Disney Hacks on Twitter and then also in the Miles to Memories uh, Facebook group. As a reminder, we have our Miles to Memories Vegas meetup reader appreciation event. No cost to you. Three and a half hours of presentations followed by a you know pay your own way dinner. So it's going to be really cool. November 9th in Las Vegas. Uh, you can find all the information on the site. Search Vegas Do or we'll put the link in the show notes as well. And uh, that's it for this week. Uh, talk to you next week, guys. Peace. Vegas, baby. Vegas. Yeah, after uh, like months and months, Sean finally wore me down that I'm going to present. So you guys you guys can look forward to that. <laughs> well, definitely not going now. <laughs> Thanks for losing us all like, of our uh, attendees, Mark. Like there was ever a chance Joe would show up. I have kids. I have kids. True, 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 true. <laughs> Mom. But uh, yeah, it's less pressure on me that way. I can record it like 8 million times. <laughs> oh, I messed no, up. It only took me like five minutes to do it this time. Five um, minutes is a 48-second clip. <laughs> hey, Joe, I'm not, uh, I'm not a pro like you. Uh, well, hey. I, I am a pro. I just have high standards. I was starting the show, dude. That was me on the oh. show. <laughs> wow. Um, you're gonna have to do a better job of queuing us in. <laughs> yeah, that's the beginning of the show is SoFi Friends. When you, say, when you say so, speaking of money, that kind of I'm starts the show when nobody was, when nobody was in on right, the well, beginning of it. Yeah, and did that? Did you end your intro with the word money? Because like, how would that segue? <laughs> no, I, I did the show onto the show. I'm not trying to pretend because it, it won't sound exactly the same. It'll sound weird. It'll be a jump cut. So I want him to know it. Yes, not it right. doesn't sound weird now.